Hello and welcome to Tales of the Uncharted Territories. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, okay, quick bit of intro before we get to today's fantastic fanfic. Because we've had some technical issues in the past and because of the contributions of our many Patreon supporters for whom we're very grateful, uh, we've upgraded our recording interface to one that should be a little bit more reliable. But today is the first time that we're using it. And so we realized after we just finished this recording that we did that we hadn't pressed the record button that this yes. machine has. So this is again like we are again experiencing some technical difficulties <laughs> oh, as, yes, that's right. as Pilot has informed us, which is very appropriate because today's story is all about Pilot. Okay, so let's brace ourselves for the solar storm. Once again, it'll be totally listenable. <laughs> And we promise we'll press record next, next time. Lakmarukabi, lakmarukabi, lakmarukabi. Hey, Kay. Hey, Kaki. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about how we can do the intro in a way that sort of feels less sort of flailing. Yeah. And since we're just having a chat, and like I thought maybe we could just introduce ourselves to each other. Okay. Hi. Uh, well, didn't really improve anything, did it? It's no, not like it's, less awkward. But, well, yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but uh, yes, welcome to another uh, reading of fanfic from Farscape. Farfic fanscape. Farscape fanfic. Yes. See, that, that yes. <laughs> you never cease to find like new combinations for a, honestly a very limited set of syllables. Um, it's the pleasure of being dyslectic. Oh God. Okay, I didn't mean to put you. I no, didn't no, mean to be fine. mean. It's like it's turning a disadvantage into an advantage. I can that's, just like there you go. I can just randomly keep mixing up syllables without uh, really making a difference. The kids call that remix culture, don't they? I think so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so today's story is The Cultivated Mind by Mosca. Yes, this was sent to us by Kern Zelda, who mm. also provided us with a pronunciation of their name. So we've read stories of theirs before, and we, we sent our Kern, Kern Zelda or Kern Zelda, because yeah. we'd like that, so but it's Kern Zelda. Kern yeah. Zelda, yes. who saw, I think... Let me see. It has been a little bit, but I think they saw our um, Zan Fickathon mm -hmm. uh, and, like, via Kathy, who got in touch with them over Live Journal or Dream With, or, like, and was apparently they really enjoyed that, that, like, blast from the past. Yeah, I can just imagine. It was very fun to see their responses to going, like, oh my gosh, someone found our uh, old stuff from 15 years yeah. ago and actually reading it. Although I'm just realizing I'm probably mixing up Astro Girl and Curls, Kern Zelda. This is a great intro oh, so wow. far. Yeah, it's very professional. <laughs> but I know it's Kern Zelda who sent this story, because uh -huh. I had that in my handy-dandy database. Um, and as is my want, I, I don't check those too closely, mm -hmm. like I, because I like it to be a surprise. But I had a look at the first paragraph, and I really, really wanted to read this oh, story fantastic. with you. Yeah, so the story notes are, spoilers continuity, decidedly first season, perhaps between a human reaction and nerve, but with an eye to later events. Farscape is the intellectual property, there, yada, 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 yada. There was something, I think, ooh, oh, yes, yes. So Mosca had thanks to Kay and Katisha for the betas and to the distraction, whoever that is, and to my parents who gave me the season one box set for Hanukkah. Oh, that sounds like, that sounds like a fantastic present. Yeah. And it just keeps on going. If, if only it just kept on going like the... Uh, the Hanukkah candles, you know, like you only oil oh, yes. for one night, but they kept it going for eight. So oh, if only we had the, that works for <laughs> you, Farscape. You only got the first season, but you actually got all, all yeah. four. <laughs> what do you mean four? Eight and a movie. Oh yes, that's right. One day, one day. Okay, here and now. Here's the paragraph that hooked me. Pilot became a pilot because he wanted to see the galaxy. There were things one sacrificed, like companionship, but then he had a constant companion. 
Moya's symbiotic running commentary, always taking up half of his consciousness with status reports, waves of panic and frustration, bursts of joy when the baby shifted. Moya was not so intelligent, she was at best a rather perceptive beast, but she was loyal and responsive. Moya had learned that she was fond of him, as laboring animals often were, uh, fond of their masters, and he clucked thoughts of reassurance and affection when he was otherwise idle. Good Moya, strong Moya, my brave leviathan. Pilots had more idle time than pilots were intended to have. When the peacekeepers had controlled Moya, he'd always had numerous tasks to manage. Sometimes the barrage of demands frazzled him, but they also comforted him, in that they gave him a sense of purpose. Now, when systems were normal and his crew of six were occupied with their usual bipedal elsewheres, <laughs> he had plenty of brain left for musing and reflecting, for opinions and emotions, for all of the things that his own species, obsessed by the dual values of efficiency and tranquility, strove to eliminate. Poker nights with the DRDs! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Pick up poker games, yeah! It was the bipeds, and the way a pilot could get to know them when there were only six. Perhaps it was Crichton specifically, having never seen any life beyond that of his backwards, and presumably isolate, home planet. He had no reason to see pilot's intelligence and skills as inherently less valuable than those of a Delvian or Sebation. Lacking a frame of reference, Crichton was a true egalitarian. Crichton's denseness and the, <laughs> and the odd tricks of language that he called a sense of humour tried pa Pilot's patience. Crichton had a welcoming attitude toward a universe that he understood with sometimes astonishing scientific precision. Pilot occasionally envied Crichton's instinctive comprehension of the way things fit together, and he always admired it. Pilot was surprised to find that he liked Crichton. He had grown accustomed to the peacekeepers' abuses, the way they barked demands and treated him like part of the circuitry. Bipeds were something to be endured in exchange for the joys of being a pilot. Not something whose company one enjoyed. And indeed, pilot despised most of them. The shouting, ignorant Luxon, the spastic Nibari, Yikes. the stupid and self-important Hynerian. Accurate. Ooh. Most of all, the Delphian, who for all her claims of higher awareness and compassion would never understand a being as different from her, in both physical form and way of thinking as Pilot was. Ooh. Seems a bit unfair, but... Yeah. Well, this is early on, right? Right, yeah, fair enough. Ease his pain while they hacked off his arm. The pain wasn't the point. Arms grew back. I mean, Damn, fair, this fair point. story is incredible! <laughs> yeah. But then, Pilot had never been one for liking other people. He said over and over that he'd become a pilot to see the galaxy, but it was just as much to escape the din of his homeworld. His people filled each other's minds with bickering and trivia, wasted their capabilities on pointless webs of family relationships and convoluted architectural projects. The telepathic and multitasking abilities of his species did not protect them from pettiness and tediousness. <laughs> we know that, that uh, pilot can be petty. <laughs> You can take the slug off the swamp planet, but you can't take the swamp planet out of the slug. <laughs> as soon as he'd become old enough for pilot training, Pilot had fled his nest of squabbling brothers and critical aunts. He wondered if the bipeds on Moya realized that his name had not always been Pilot. Certainly, they did no, not know that he'd distract, discarded his given name because of the unpleasant memory associations it brought of a life he'd eagerly abandoned. The peacekeepers called him Pilot because they could not pronounce his real name and lacked the creativity to give him a new one beyond the acknowledgements of his office. They kind of like forget that all pilots were called Pilot, but that could just be like a peacekeeper affectation, I guess. Uh, I mean, we've met 
three, and they were all under peacekeeper control. They yeah. were always addressed as pilots. So, yeah. yeah. But pilots had come to like the nickname. It did, after all, represent what he was. He might not have been the best pilot in the galaxy. His merely competent performance in pilot training had earned him his, this replacement posting on a prison transport. A job that made up for its lack of prestige with its surfeit of danger. But he was a pilot nonetheless, and so he would be until he and Moya drifted lifeless into that great unknown field of stars. So yeah, we here clearly see yeah. here that this is written before <laughs> the, uh, the author knew about uh, the way we weren't. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, they don't know about that yet. That's no. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, hold on. Replacement posting. Right. They did know about the way we weren't. Ooh, do you think so? I mean, I mean, he he replaced another pilot. That's an uncommon thing, oh, right? Because the prior oh, pilot was, was executed. Be, yeah, that might be that be a replace. Yeah. Okay. Very good point. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. I no, looked at right. the uh, yeah. publication date. I don't know that it says. Does it say on your screen? Two thousand three. Yes, and that will be. We're like our subjective reality is June two thousand and one. One, okay. Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, I've lost my uh, position. Always admired it. Arms group back. Tediousness stars. Yes, got it. Hey, by the way, I am loving this prose. I'm going to look yeah. for more stories by Moscow oh, because yeah. this is my jam. Although not a lot of voices so far. No. So, which yeah. is probably like for the best. There comes one though. Okay, oh God! Oh one. no! Yeah. I just jinxed it. Crichton liked to try to convince Pilot that he was more capable than he really was. I haven't crashed one yet, Crichton would say. And besides, you're the only one here who appreciates sarcasm. Crichton's sarcasm didn't quite chime in euphony with the hummings of the translator microbes, but Pilot had come to know what he meant by it. The opposite of a true statement that lent emphasis to unpleasant truth. The opposite of a true statement that lent emphasis to unpleasant truth. Damn! Mm. If that interpretation was correct, then sarcasm was indeed something that Pilot appreciated. It was the only way, or at least... Pilot's only way of forcing himself to blink and obey, to show no trace of recognition that, with one snip of a claw, or better, the judicious adjustment of certain life support systems, Pilot could reduce a foolish and demeaning commander into a puddle of fluids and spent flesh. <laughs> but Pilot knew that, as compelling as his revenge fantasies became, wow, their execution would destroy him. His power lay in potential and vague threat. And he kept his claws, his controls, and his homicidal impulses to himself and his leviathan. Sorry, I'm still stuck on a puddle of fluids and spent flesh. But... <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, yeah. right? <laughs> Certain parties. Where Crichton and Officer Sun were concerned, Pilot's restraint went beyond simple acknowledgement of the danger of murdering bipeds. It went to the fact that he would miss them if they were gone. Hmm. Had, in fact, missed Crichton. Oh. had been relieved when the others insisted they continue the search for him long after it seemed hopeless. Oh, Jeremiah Crichton. Yes, but it was Officer Sun who he thought he was, uh, but it was Officer Sun who he thought he would miss most. Yeah. He had observed recently that Officer Sun had ceased to be Officer Sun in his mind, but rather Erin, the name that was who she was, not what she was. Huh. Pilot did not only tolerate and respect her, although he did both of those things. His feelings for Aaron approached what the biped seemed to mean when they called, talked about affection. And for that reason, Pilot didn't like to think about Aaron. Oh, mm. this is a hell of a story. Yeah. Pilot knew how to keep himself from thinking about things that he didn't want to think about. His species began in early childhood to learn how to streamline thoughts and information and to assign them the needed amounts of concentration. 
God, that sounds great. Mm. In pilot training, Pilot had refined his skill to the point where he could push undesirable trains of thought into nooks of such low priority, of so little concentration that he no longer noticed that he was thinking about them. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's not as great as you think it is. Without this ability, he would have been an acute psychiatric case. <laughs> he would dwell ceaselessly on the misery of his early life, believe a now irrelevant mother's accusations of inherent inadequacy, and allow the probe of her tentacled mind into his. Pilot survived by turning his memories into ghosts that could no longer knock at the walls of his chamber. On the rare occasion that they might, he could simply refuse to let them in. When Erin knocked, it was much more difficult to turn her away. Pilot knew that she was unaccustomed to being alone, and in the final balance, she didn't distract him too much. So he permitted her to sit with him in his chamber, nice. although he never openly encouraged it. Often, she would say nothing to him. The refuge from the terrible echo of a near-empty leviathan was enough. It was enough for Pilot, too. The acoustics in his gigantic chamber must be yes. pretty amazing. I mean, uh, uh, Dargo gave a fantastic Shieldquin concert there. Oh, yes. And you might occasionally hear the odd gurgle of uh, Moya, I suppose. Oh, yes. It like, might resonate a little bit. She's still got those that dead Pathfinder to dissolve Ooh. down in them. <laughs> yes. Maybe okay. the DRD's got rid of that. How would they? Oh, DRDs. like ants, yes. Yeah, they cling onto the walls, aren't they? When they were passing close to an object of astronomical interest, or if Pilot had discovered had discovered something in Moya's scientific files that he thought was worth sharing, he would point it out to Erin. Sometimes she would ask a question or two, but for the most part, she absorbed the knowledge silently. Erin pretended to be closed-minded like peacekeepers were generally brought up to be, but Pilot had observed that her curiosity was almost bottomless. She snapped up new information like a hungry Hynerian. Crichton was teaching her a few words of his native language, the idioms and double entendres that the microbes couldn't fully translate, and she would bound into Pilot's chamber, eager to demonstrate her new vocabulary. Perhaps when I'm finished learning English, you could teach me some of your language, Aaron said one day. I'm afraid that would be a useless exercise, Pilot said. You wouldn't be able to pronounce any of the sounds. Now that's unfair. Valorek could do it. Yeah. Uh, he paused to reassign two DRDs to a flickering light source on Tier 19. To be fair, I doubt I'm physiologically equipped to speak Sebastian. The, the concepts wouldn't transfer well anyway, she said. Your species qu thinks quite differently than mine. Not so differently that we failed to communicate, Pilot said, checking the waste energy output levels of Moya's dorsal propulsion units. Differently enough, Aaron said, and an expression of pure horror crossed her face. Pilot remembered that it was not so easy for a biped to shut out such terrible memories. Impossible, in fact, to do so with Pilot's effortless efficiency. Oh, Namtar. Yes. Yeah. I suppose you would have some idea, Pilot said. He stared out through Moya's optical receptors at the field of stars before him. It was foolish of him to think for even a moment that she might grow to understand him enough to care for him. It was a great irony this compelling mind in a body so incompatible with his in every respect. One of the things Pilot had sacrificed in order to become a pilot was the opportunity to find a mate. That was not the kind of affinity he felt for Aaron, but he rather wished that he could desire her. It would unravel the paradoxes of his affection for her. Pilot had become a pilot because he wanted to see the galaxy, and he reminded himself frequently of how much he was going to see. 
how much more he would experience than most of his species, and with how much more freedom than other pilot. None of Moya's other crew knew much about the uncharted territories, and they left most of the navigational decisions to pilot. It was conceivable that he might see everything that he'd ever dreamed of seeing. So many things that all the undesirable memories would be pushed clear out of his brain. There was so much out there, it would be a wasted opportunity to stop with Aaron. Ah, why is this all of there is? Where's the rest of this novel? Mosca! I'm, I'm yelling through the, the sort of channels of the internet. I hope that you're, I hope that you're out there and that uh, uh, in... I, I don't know exactly when this is going to be. I think Hanukkah would have passed by the time that this, uh, Probably, this yes. airs, regrettably. But I hope that you, had a, that you had a good one. And I hope that you wrote more stories like this because I'm, I'm absolutely captivated. I... I know that we're not supposed to play favourites, but this like this story is so my jam. Oh, it's it's lovely to read. It's lo- lovely to think about the the machinations of pilot's mind. Yes, exactly. Like this is, it's so much calmer than Farscape usually is. It's so much more introspective. Yeah, very true. Yeah, it sort of fits with pilot who sits in his chamber and, you know, we yeah. only see him when there's when there's shit going on, so it's like a biped shit. Usually, yes. Yeah. So what's his experience like and? I mean, I guess he's, like, pretty much aware of everything that goes on. A lot of things going on on Moya, so he's kind of like, you know. Yeah, the DRDs are always listening. Yeah, or playing poker. <laughs> or laser quests. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I bet he has a secret uh, selection of all sorts of Polaroids that he's keeping somewhere behind his desk where he's like... Oh, that's right, because they have printers. Yes. <laughs> And one day... Everybody in all the compromising positions that they've ever been found. <laughs> well, that includes, like, some of the fanfic that we've, that we've read, like, what's under John's letters. Oh, yes, or, there you go. I mean, um, we've seen John stumbling out of his quarters, start still trying to get his pants on, so, you know... Yes. There was, like, a few seconds before that. <laughs> I sure would like to see how, once again... He managed to get into skin-tight leather pants in no time flat, but then he struggled with the boots. Mm. Like that's... Is there a talcum powder dispenser or something? I, I mean, that's isn't that vinyl? I mean, does that work for leather as well? I don't know. Oh, well, I don't know. You're a person who's worn leather pants. Like, right. how you... Yeah, but they're not that tight. Oh, okay. They're not Fair skin enough. tight, so, yes. Anyway, thank you for <laughs> joining <laughs> us. <laughs> I forgot that we were podcasting there. I thought that we were just having a chat. That's what. That's why we started so so casual, right? I've kind of yes. gotten that. Uh... So thank you for joining us for another episode of Tales of the Uncharted Territories. We'll be back next week with a proper episode of Farscape, and we will be discussing uh, season three, episode eight, Green Eyed Monster, which I did off the top of my head. I didn't even Very look at my database. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so Farscape, so good. So Farscape, so good. Bye bye. Rise, rise. <laughs>